0: I'm Lily, I'm Lorraine, and and we're we're caffeinated caffeinated on a train. train. Hey guys, it's been a while, hasn't it? It has been a while. It's It's been four months, something
1: like that. that. (laughs) I think the last time we recorded was right before the beginning of the semester.
0: Yeah, and you know, we were having some slight technical difficulties before we got started and I realized I think this is the first time that I've used GarageBand on my new computer, and every single day I get a message which I ignore on my computer that says it's been X number of days since you last backed up your memory. <laughs> I always just get out, just get out of here. I am I like to live on the edge, so it's been over a hundred days at least. Oh wow! So, so yeah, I guess that's that. That'd be three and a half months or so. So anyway, it's been a while. It's been too long, but there have we've had our reasons, which is what we would like to. Um, based today's episode on yes so last semester um i experienced harassment and stalking um by another student and um and in such a way that interfered with um process of the university as he was also a student employee and um was intervened in my hiring process for a job and um, it took me a long time before I felt ready to speak up about it, <clears throat> although it was weighing on my conscience all summer, um, but at the beginning of this semester, I um, reported him to the administration and um, ha- I think that while what happened initially was difficult and traumatic and Um, I'm still dealing with the fallout of that. Um, In actuality, the thing that has possibly hurt the most or caused me the most prolonged psychological distress has been the university's lack of handling it, the situation, or taking me seriously. Um, And it's been especially unfortunate because a lot of the professors on this administration are women and women that I have personally had as professors and that have known me um, more so than, say, many of my other professors that I've had in my academic career. So it's been just quite disheartening and disillusioning to um, engage or feel, like, fun talking about um, academia because this is what has been really on my mind, and we decided the best way to handle it in terms of uh, our podcast would be to just be explicit about it and not to try and talk around it or talk about other things um, that would be ignoring what I'm really feeling. So that's the kind of the summary of it. Um, yeah, so we were trying to figure out, like, what's the best angle to uh, engage with this situation in our podcast um, that would still be fitting with the usual tone but would also be authentic, Um and we wanted to, and we thought that this kind of topic dovetailed well into speaking about um, generally, kind of like administration and um, more specifically, student and uh, teacher or student professor relationships. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's that's a whole it's an enormous topic, and we won't be dwelling entirely on this specific incident. But um, yeah, I think. Um, one of the one of the biggest issues perhaps with what i've experienced has been um, a mixture of lack of training and lack of any kind of actual protocol that has been in place which of course is symptomatic of generally like then the university and possibly also like german culture not having that kind of like me too moment yet and so there's not an open conversational space for these things, or or it hasn't been explicitly made a priority that this kind of thing needs to exist, uh, like having a protocol and how to deal with harassment or stalking or or assault, um, even though, of course, these things are happening in um, in the university structures as they are in many areas of society in Germany as well as in in North America. Um, but also so in addition to the kind of lack of training and lack of protocol I think there's also an element um, that is h- harder to swallow but it seems a bit like in the cases of the female professors that I've interacted with about this and spoke to you about this kind of like a willful ignorance or like there seems to be a way that they are um, like taking in the information where obviously they're smart women obviously they're critical thinkers yet they seem to, the the question that they keep asking me is what do I want them to do about it? Which is just, it kicks, it's like getting the wind knocked out of you to hear that. And I just feel like there's something there where they are not really willing to like take, like there's like a cognitive dissonance or like something blocking them from like really dealing with this. And I wonder if maybe that also comes from being a woman in academia who's like gotten this far, like maybe that's how they've had to cope with I don't know, that's speculation, but it seems like there's something there that's just unfortunate because where I wanted these women to be there for me, they have kind of reverted to the opposite.
1: Yeah, and the thing about that is it's a bad faith question because mm. they're not actually asking yeah. you what they should do. Yeah. They're, yeah. Because then there are obvious answers, you know, fire him. Fire
0: him, yeah, take disciplinary action, um, support me and yeah, taking... Action. Yeah, exactly. It's a bad faith question. I think that that's very much like deeply apparent and, and they're asking me this question. Um, and and there's kind of two parts. One of them was that initially I spoke to the professor in the class that I had um, with this student who also appointed this student to being on an interview committee that, um, what, that was for a job that I was applying to, which is which- in
1: itself just just for the record like, dear listener if you are ever on a hiring committee don't appoint a person to the hiring committee who knows your applicant in like a classroom setting even if they didn't harass them yeah yeah this is not that's called a conflict of interest don't do that and again an
0: issue potentially of lack of training of of like appropriate kind of that there's not like clear procedural rules and regulations in place around these things. Which is ironic because, um, kind of not in so much of a side note, but apparently do you remember how when we spoke to this professor again that she said that they ha- they revoked the um the job ad oh, yeah. because it wasn't detailed enough. And I'm like, man, if they are able to regulate that, but like they will do anything to stop harassment or to regulate who's on the interview committee,
1: like what is this but classic German energy? Yeah, it's
0: classic German bureaucracy. That that job post was way too vague. But like let whoever you want onto the interview committee, we don't care. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, again, like lack of sort sort of competence outside of you know being a good researcher or being good at your specific kind of area of academic interests, like. Um, how, yeah, how, how are these people being trained and to what kind of standards and are, there, are, there, are they being educated on specific kind of procedural rules and regulations and standards and do those things even exist? Are, are all questions I think that are wrapped up in this. But in addition to speaking with this professor, um, I spoke later with um, the acting director of the JFKI who also has been a professor of mine this semester um, and we spoke privately about a, a separate matter, and I took the, mat- the this as an opportunity to bring her, to her attention personally what happened, and when I did, it turned out that she already knew about it for weeks, if not months, and not only that, but and this part is like comical, honestly, but like after I brought it up at the end of our meeting, um, which I didn't know yet was the end of our meeting because her phone suddenly rings and apparently there's a pigeon in her house and it's her child calling her that she, the child may or may not need her to come home right now and I get waved, brushed out of the room while she's still on the phone and then have class and this issue is never brought up again. I'll, and again, all the only thing she had time to say before the phone call was, what do you want us to do about it? And it hasn't been brought up since. And and, and to be honest, being at the university, being in the JFKI, not only do I have to be worried about um, interacting with the person who stalked and harassed me, um, but I, I don't feel comfortable being around the either of these professors who um, now it's not having to expose this this thing that happened to me and expose details in my personal life makes me already uncomfortable and then having those things these sensitive information be handled with like such little care um just it makes it really difficult for me i i dropped a class with that professor i um, changed my concentration from political science so that i don't have to take classes with the other professor i had to quit my job like It's difficult to be in this environment, even regardless. I mean, of course, partially because of the person, but also now because of these, like, administrative failures on the part of the professors. And, yeah, and I think that, again, there's just, like, a lack of training, a lack of... um, Because at the same time, it shouldn't necessarily only be um, their judgment call. There should also be a thing where that's not even put on their shoulders. It should be, like, you tell me this, I'm passing this information to this... Um, And and it's going to set in motion a set of procedural, uh, I don't know,
1: actions. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing because really, this is not something that professors should be supposed to handle.
0: Yeah. And it does seem like maybe they've also been been expected. Like We talked a bit about in terms of professors and what they're compensated for, what kind of labor they're expected to do. Um, And maybe from their perspective, they are also like somehow because there's no procedures in place because this is not something that's been discussed or like a well-trodden path Mm -hmm. that now they are expected to be the ones to maneuver or or um yeah figure out the proper recourse for action and then what they are doing in this poor faith through this poor faith question is then putting that on to me as a master's student with very little experience in this specific academic environment. You and know?
1: certainly no administrative power to enact what you Anything think should happen. Anything that I think
0: should happen, exactly. We think the other lots problem. of things
1: should happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Lots of things. Uh, Public.
1: <laughs> on <laughs> Just
0: naming things and bleep. <laughs> 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 and then I, that said, there also has been a gender equality officer, which is.
1: Kind Literally of a fake
0: job. I don't. <laughs> I think it's actually just like the administrator of another academic department. They just call her that. And I'm saying that in a cynical way because she also, you didn't help me at all. Hasn't. In fact, um, I've seen her twice. I've our paths have crossed twice in the JFKI, and she has turned around and walked in the other direction. So I mean, you know, maybe I'm just being a little bit sensitive or taking something personally, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> It's hard to say, but the fact that I even have to worry about that or think that could be an option is, yeah, it's not not a good look for for her. Um, but yeah, it's just again, it's kind of just like there seems to be a lack of infrastructure in place backing up people who are already have no, clearly no training mm-hmm. in dealing with the situation. Plus, God knows whatever other kind of biases or different like cognitive dissonances or whatever it is that maybe goes into being a woman in academia that's gotten this far and has been in these yeah so it's it's a mess it's just a mess of different things um but i have basically been at the the receiving end of all of it and um yeah i think that there's definitely a crisis there Yeah, I just have not had the best relationship with the department that I'm in or the institute where I'm studying overall because of all this. Yeah, it makes it a lot more difficult to study, to take criticism, to engage with certain topics, to be expected to carry any kind of weight in my classes um, on behalf of these professors, all this kind of stuff. So,
1: yeah. And I think you mentioned the gender equality officer, and I really want to emphasize that while... These random professors should not be expected to do uncompensated labor to do with helping their students necessarily. This is literally the job of a gender equality officer. Yeah, this and is, she
0: should be, like, waiting for this kind of shit to come her way, to yes. deal with it.
1: In her case, the labor is compensated. Yes. I assume. I hope. I yeah. hope that she's getting paid something for being the gender equality officer. officer. Yeah. But seriously,
0: if she's not doing this, then what is she doing? Like, what does she... And especially because she introduced herself on the first day of orientation um, with a presentation, which I was excited about because it seemed like, you know, at least by appearances, there was a lot of discussion about gender. And that's that's the other thing, is I think there's a lot of using certain words. And, I mean, this gets into another kind of more cynical take that I'm having currently in academia, which we will discuss in a future episode. Um, But she opened her talk, her little introduction speech with, um, some statistics about the fact that there seems to be equal representation of men and women in this master's program. However, um, something seems to happen between that and then the statistics of the faculty in um, in the institute. But I think also potentially it was like uh, speaking more broadly about professors in academia and the gender distribution. And she kind of left it of like, why could this be? I don't know, and I really don't want to find out, <laughs> don't don't get this confused, I actually don't want to know, I'm just, I'm really asking it, because just in a rhetorical sense, like, please don't try to inform me, <laughs> anyway, because then, cause then um, I'm a living example of potentially what happens to the women, <laughs> and she really didn't, yeah, she didn't want to know, didn't want to know about that, so, uh, yeah. But, so, (laughs) I'm trying to think of, like, how we transition from this in some way. I don't want to do it in, like, an abrupt way that's kind of, like, leaving this hanging. You know, like, to talking about
1: student... We briefly play Ride of the Valkyries. Yes. And then when we come back...
0: I think the other thing that has been really, in terms, in terms of what happens, not only why maybe I like a push factor for me leaving, um, potentially academia or reconsidering whether this is a, a place that I feel welcome in or that I feel comfortable um, inhabiting, but simultaneously, um, by the the other kind of moral conundrum of the situation is that simultaneously they by taking a supposedly neutral stance of not knowing what they should do they're protecting him they're protecting my assailant and um, he's an employee of the university he got to be on my interview committee he is got chosen for like a highly selective um uh, study abroad exchange programs and all this person is out in the world and in, in the world as a representative of the university and not only that but the, the job that I applied for was for his substitution so that he also gets his job back when he comes back and and I've seen that he has all kinds of networking opportunities and all these things and you might think well maybe he's also a good student maybe he's a psychopath in his personal life but no he's not like I in the brief time that I knew this person Never speaks in class. Has tons of outstanding. Okay, maybe not tons, but like has outstanding papers from previous semesters. Um, never was up to date on the readings. Um, just n- very mediocre, if that. And this is the truly baffling thing. Yeah.
1: Because you know, you know me. I can I can respect a charismatic psychopath. <laughs> maybe respect is the wrong word, but
0: acknowledge is. Uh, I can
1: acknowledge a charismatic psychopath, such.
0: but. A mediocre psychopath? No, 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 no. <laughs> not, definitely not charismatic
1: either. Let me you know. This doesn't surprise me. So, and there are so many people in academia. There are so many people in academia. There. <laughs> Too many. <laughs> the the standards we are told are through the roof. People are expected to do so much, and so it seems a little bizarre that someone who is not doing so much would be successful this is not how our our glut of applicants is supposed to be working
0: yeah so 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 true I mean yeah he's half the student that I am like you've seen my CV you've seen how hard it is to get a bleeping job in the JFKI as a part-time student assistant yet this person um yeah he's being protected um by the professors in, involved in this and it just shows how the inertia rests like in favor of the people who commit these kinds of crimes and against the person who accuses them um it just in terms of the structures of this environment and um yeah and i i i have to say like considering all this and seeing the way that he's been kind of coddled and groomed in this environment without seeming to have any real justification uh, for for that as in terms of his like giftedness um, on top of this I, I also see and feel ex- am experiencing a lot of the kind of um, result of that bias um, and and seeing how again it plays out not only Because the thing is, another reason why I felt responsible to report this and why this is weighing out of my conscience is because this person is going to, considering all these advantages that he's been giving, all these privileges, he's going to continue to advance in his academic career. And if this kind of behavior is not corrected now, and you have a highly privileged um, male uh, academic... Um, who's out of touch with and, and has not uh, experienced any repercussions for his abuses of power, and, and him being on this interview committee was an abuse of power, he should have said no. And instead, he sent me manipulative emails that were gaslighting me and keeping me quiet about the fact that, on my personal email address too, keeping me quiet about what happened and then being in my fucking interview. Like, you know, if he's doing this now as a grad student and, not, and getting away with it, and continuing simultaneously to have privileges and to um, I don't know have misconduct, then it's gonna it's gonna only get worse. Like this is how these people are, are infiltrating academia while the women are leaving academia, or that's I think part of how these kind of things happen because this is a big issue within academia. It's not just like an isolated incident. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, I think that's another problematic aspect is the, is the bias that the sexism, the bias um, and favoritism towards certain students. And I think a lot of it is gendered. I think maybe this person, I don't know, he's a man. He, he maybe looks like you would expect, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what it is. I don't know. I, I mean,
1: <laughs> because there, I, I know men who are in our university <sighs> who look like, <laughs> who look like academics. Who, as far as I know, are not stalkers. As far as I know, who knows, truly. Truly, but... And yeah. who are not getting opportunities like this. So it boggles my mind. Yeah. What kind of feedback loop must be supporting Yeah. this guy?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, maybe there are things we don't know. And, like, to be honest, um, this isn't even the first time, like, that something like this has happened. Like, um, at Cornell, I was sexually assaulted. And there, there's a huge... Um, frat culture and it was really really difficult to be there seeing the way that like basically simultaneously while getting this education which i'm really grateful for and was a great education being immersed in a culture where i'm seeing like the american elites perpetuate themselves seeing these societies of men that are subject to no consequences for violent behavior and sexual misconduct um And, and how they're, they're coddled and insulated with all kinds of connections and how so many of these men just drink away their entire, their entire degree while, um, like getting, like having pipelines for cheating on papers and and how to, how to do the bare minimum work and to, and to use people's like old papers to, you know, never have to work and then getting out of, of Cornell and having like a six figure job waiting for them and, and investment banking, like. And, and, and it was awful and they're, they're, neither there were there any um, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like at best the people got slapped a slap on the wrist, but they're also when, when you're just a student that's not affiliated with this kind of networks, like you just feel like you're falling through the cracks and you're completely vulnerable. And Cornell also had um, its own police. And it's like a well-known thing that they're, and from people I know, um, and anecdotally at least, that they violate Title IX and that they don't properly report it when women come to them, if, if that those reports potentially threaten uh, the children of influential people, donors at Cornell. So it's definitely not a unique problem to just, but I do feel at least there's um a conversation happening in the North American context around um, sexual assault and sexual violence a- in the university setting. And I think I was speaking with my professor, um, I told him about this actually, I told him um, because I broke down in his office when we were going over a paper because it's just the general daily stress of being there and trying to engage in like, a vulnerable way and that environment is difficult. and. Um, So I, I later talked to him about, about it because he's kind of, he seems woke enough. And um, he was saying, I'm not sure how much I agree with this is like a justification of logic, but he was saying how um, there's something a bit different about being just like a student in a bachelor's in a a big university and being like in a graduate program where this is like a professional thing where you are like the kind of, the kind of orientation of it is a bit different and therefore, in his in his opinion, even worse the failure of the 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 professors and administrators to act because I'm I'm still kind of parsing out exactly how how, how much that was like an off the cuff statement or, or what the truth of is that or if it, you know it's still not okay that this the student the bachelor's student at the big university is dealing with this but I think that I do see that there's maybe some validity in in what he's getting at there or he's know. getting
1: at something that's legitimate. I would say, from my perspective, that obviously both are equally horrible. It's horrible for students to fall through the cracks in a bachelors and it's horrible for students to be abused in a masters. But with the bachelors, I, I see a lot more just incompetence of structure, mm. like the, the structures in place can't scoop out students who... yeah fall through the cracks because there are just yeah many. I think that's kind of kind of yeah whereas in in a master's program and also in professional settings because there are of course many problems with abuses in professional settings outside of academia too there, there become these different orientations of the problem mm. where because the relationships are more one to one they're more personal there's potentially issues of like of pride if you've invested yourself in one student and it turns out that student is a stalker then you're kind of on the line it's it's so much harder to mm. harder to differentiate between these networks of relations mm. and like i think it's easier to have biases exactly because you're
0: you are you kind of like because these people have professional aspirations like kind of it's more clear and you there's more chances to like intervene in, um, in that respect and to mold them mm-hmm. and to help open certain doors for them or not and I think that that's the case more than in a kind of like major like huge
1: lecture hall setting definitely I mean in a, a situation like at Cornell where there's also this elite that can get away with everything I mean there's this that's also an element but in a, a major university where that's not as ingrained a part of the culture, but mm-hmm. there are still many, many students, I think it would be very easy for professors and administrators to not have any favoritism as part of it. You know, yeah. if two random students um, have some kind of altercation or one student harasses another, it's so much easier for the instructors to just like have no idea who these students are yeah, and for it to fall that way.
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, that's that's I'm a good cuz it was sitting with me this kind of idea and I was not sure how to parse out, but yeah, I think that's a valid observation in that respect. Um so yeah, I mean these issues are issues. <laughs> Biases, favoritism, sexism, uh sexual violence in university settings, um, and they need to be continue to talk about. And I think maybe sometimes people feel like they are being talked about and that's enough. But no, I think that we have to continue to have these conversations.
1: And, and actually we'll be, stop. being uh-huh. talked about is like the first and very small step. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. what actually needs to happen is that structures need to be put in place to prevent this from happening. Mm-hmm. You know, protocols have to be written. Access has to be given from students to disciplinary actors. Mm-hmm. It has mm-hmm. to be made clear to students who are being employed by the university. That there's a if, sexual co- a cone of conduct. If they harass someone, actually, they are now out. Yeah. That's not, you the can't end, just do period. that. You can't just
0: do that and then, yeah, yeah, exactly. And furthermore, if you also use your position as an employee of the university to exercise your own private will, also, you should be out. I shouldn't. I shouldn't have to explain this. Yeah to tenured professors at you know, this, they, come on, you're smart, you, I, you don't need me to explain this to you. I mean, spicy take, but I think
1: I think he should be fired on the basis that he was on your committee. Like, yeah. yeah. That's not okay. And
0: I have documented evidence of all of this and everything in writing. It's not like this is just based on my word. However, I think we also need to work towards developing a culture where we believe women and women are not put on trial for reporting things. It shouldn't be the that's been what I've experienced and like that's I think what we've what we see in the media and these kind of high profile examples which influence how people um, perceive their own their own experiences of sexual violence and what they think the kind of agency they have to do something about it and I I find personally yeah a, a, a large element of this is that I feel put on trial I don't really feel like I'm being taken seriously or
1: believed yeah and there are there are also these two streams of like, not putting a woman on trial in her personal interaction, like even separate from whatever action is taken against him, Mm -hmm. you as a person should be supported and taken seriously and directed towards resources that will help you. And then there's a separate stream of like how to enact discipline against the attacker. And even, even if under like rule of law, in a court of law, he is determined not guilty or a, a perpetrator yeah. is determined not guilty, that doesn't take away the fact that a victim should be given support.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that I had higher hopes that like a university setting in, in the humanities and the social sciences would um, yeah would be a little bit more um, uh, cultivated in that way. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's really true. There's also been a lack of feeling safe or that I have certain resources at my disposal or that really anything is being done. I mean, the best that I got was we could both still work in the same office and a, an a email reassurance that we wouldn't be directly working together. So, I mean, yeah,
1: it's kind of a joke. Back when, when Me Too was like trending on social media, um, Karen Kelsky of the professors in and various other um, academics, mainly female but all academics, um, we're using the hashtag #MeTooPhD um, and sharing stories of harassment mm. uh, in academia. And there are many excellent articles and um, I want to use the word databases archives of of people's stories so this is i mean this is pervasive perhaps unsurprisingly in a field that is small competitive tends to be perhaps a little conservative in its structures Mm -hmm.
0: even if the content is kind of at least marketed as i don't want to say marketed but like even
1: if even if, the content, to be, even if the content is progressive, the structures are conservative. Yes, and I think
0: that that part can be a source of disillusionment mm-hmm. or something else that we need to kind of be transparent about. Yes,
1: and we will discuss that in a future episode. Yes,
0: and um, also just to bring that again closer to um, this particular case, a friend of mine um, sent me a tweet from a PhD student in the Graduate School of North American Studies, which is adjacent to the JFKI. Um which was a call for the same kind of idea at F U and the student is particularly who's doing it is from the uh, North American Studies Institute and it, it, kind of, it made me feel less alone to know that that was happening or that other people have acknowledged the need for that and then this wasn't just an isolated incident mm-hmm. um, not that I thought it was but you know not to feel isolated in having dealt with it um so yeah it just drives home your point even more the other thing is just that like this person has been abroad this semester, so like I've been having enough psychological distress dealing with the um, kind of administrative aspect and, and trying or not really feeling comfortable in various classroom settings, uh, in various hallways in <laughs> in the, in the Jonathan Institute, which is not very big. Um, but now I also know this person is going to be back soon and I'll also have to deal with seeing him. And like I said, I reported him because I see him as potentially a threat to others because he, um, doesn't seem to have an awareness of appropriate behavior. No matter how many times I have told him that his behavior is inappropriate and that I need him to stop. So I don't know how he'll behave when he comes back. And that's definitely an added source of distress that I should not have to, and that women in general should not have to uh, shoulder while trying to perform in this already very competitive environment. And um, yeah, again, I think that that's something that we need to account for. And the way that the, the experience of trying to advance in this kind of career could be really different depending on what kind of person that you are. So anyway, yeah, we, we know this has been maybe a bit of a departure from our uh, regularly scheduled programming, but at the same time, um, we feel it's important to um, make this uh, something that is less kind of relegated to the shadows, even if, you know, because because it is a bit of a downer um, to talk about or maybe makes generates discomfort for whatever reason. Um, and yeah, we believe in being open and authentic and that this is should be just as much part of the conversation about um, grad school as attending conferences or uh, writing your term papers um, until it doesn't have to be anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good to be back. Um, and now that that's out of the way, we will continue with our usual claptrap. trap. I think is what we call it.
1: <laughs> we will be back at you very soon with some uplifting and uh, high energy high episodes. energy definitely can yeah it's gonna be a lot of energy it's gonna be so much energy <laughs> so thanks for listening
0: and we'll we'll talk to you again soon and you know this wouldn't be a complete episode without us talking about our patreon and you just heard my sob story so please please donate to us
1: to to get lily the support she needs donate to our podcast <laughs> please on the Train Come on. on patreon Give, um, us a, give us a euro. We will put the money to good use. We
0: will. We will. Catching bad guys. Buying ourselves coffee. We need energy to catch bad guys. Boy, do
1: we ever. We're like...
0: publicly flagellate the bad guys. We need to
1: buy whips. Those things cost <laughs> Torture so devices. Much. Oh, man, you wouldn't believe. Sexy
0: cat costumes.
1: <laughs> you weren't going to say Latex. Cat. No.
0: <laughs> yeah. This, these are expensive things. This is the high-end... Merchandise. Yes. And it's all highly necessary for dealing with um vengeance and justice.
1: To be clear, in case any law enforcement are listening, we are not planning on dishing out vigilante justice. And if anyone if anyone comes to you saying that Lily and Lorraine, wearing sexy swamp monster costumes, (laughs) attacked and publicly flagellated them, they are lying. We're just putting (laughs) that out there now.
0: Just putting that out there, it's on the record. Mm-hmm. We've gone on the record to make that point. So anyway, please pay us money via our Patreon. Support. <laughs> please. Support. Support. Young, That's the euphemism for
1: <laughs> give us money. Support young women in academia. Yeah. Support young women in academia. Link to our Patreon in the description. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at Coat Podcast.
0: And uh, let us know. Tag us in your your favorite media social media platform of your choice. Yes. And let us know how you think we should end our podcast. Bye. I don't know.